0: It's important to establish that culture of winning, the importance of winning, and doing things the right way. So for us, it's just to keep building upon that. Throws to the end zone, it is for the Miami touchdown. It's Parker. All day long with Devontae Parker. Picked off, going to the end zone, is Eric Rowe for the touchdown. Blake fake, throws it, there he is, Rockings, and it's a big man touchdown in Miami. What is up, Finns fans? Welcome into another edition of Fin It to Win It, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network and Bet Online. My name's Riley Bradshaw, alongside, as always, Mason Inglehart, You can follow, interact with the show on Twitter and Facebook, at Fin It to Win It. And while you're there, make sure you interact with our Tua Jersey giveaway. All you got to do is retweet or share the posts that talk about the Tua Jersey giveaway, and then you got to follow Fin It to Win It on Facebook or Twitter. So make sure you do that. So... We typically record these Thursday shows on Wednesday and Mason, I was prepping because we're talking about the secondaries tonight. We're breaking down the secondary group, cornerbacks and safety. So obviously I was looking into this Xavier Howard situation, right? <laughs> like, okay, is he going to start the season? Is he going to get suspended? If he gets suspended, I was actually looking Mason back at like prior domestic violence incidents with other players, what suspensions they got. And then the news broke. Today, yeah, before we recorded this, what perfect timing that he is not going to face any suspension at all from the NFL.
1: It, it was really good timing, obviously, for this episode, of Riley, that we're recording tonight that's going to be dropping soon. But, you know, it's also just a breath of fresh air for Dolphins fans, because we talked about it, Riley, in a previous show when we discussed players who have the most approved and we listed Xavier Howard on that list. The yeah. fact that he's had his injury history, which we'll get into in a little bit, but also the fact that. This domestic abuse situation, we did not know what was going to happen. Was he going to be suspended four games, two games? What was going to happen with the NFL's ruling? But now that it's been out there that there will be no suspension, this really does give us an idea of what the Dolphins are going to be working with as far as their two starting cornerbacks go. Now, after that, it gets pretty interesting, and we're going to discuss that. But definitely perfect timing when it comes to us recording this episode tonight.
0: Yeah, it's a big sigh of relief for Dolphins fans. Everybody was wondering what's going to happen to Xavier Howard from that domestic violence incident back last December 2019. So now we can move past that. We can look towards the season. And if he's healthy, he's going to be out there for the Miami Dolphins. So that's big-time news dropping today. And it could not be more perfect timing than right before we break down the secondary. So it's funny you mentioned that because now, Mason – that Xavier Howard is back and we're going to expect him to be there for opening day to go along with Byron Jones. We'll break down Jones in depth in a little bit, but I was kind of thinking like, where do the dolphins in terms of their top two cornerback tandems, where do they kind of sit in terms of the top tandems in the entire NFL? I was kind of looking through different depth charts, seeing starting lineups for these teams. And I was looking and I think they're right up there. They may be overall number one. I mean, the Patriots, obviously, with Stephon Gilmore, Jason McCordy, the Ravens with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. Like they're right up there as well, but they're definitely top three. And when you talk about the top tandems in the league, and that's, it fits what Brian Flores wants to do perfectly. Easily top five,
1: top three. Sure, why not? When you talk about Xavier Howard and you talk about the new addition and Byron Jones, you're talking about two physical cornerbacks, two guys who are going to shut down receivers, two guys who can tackle well and two guys who are really, really going to hope the other improvements the Dolphins have made on the defensive side of the ball is going to make their job a lot easier. I know when we work our way down to linebackers and defensive line, we're going to talk about those um, improvements that the Dolphins have made in the draft and in free agency, but it all fits together. When those guys put more pressure on the cornerback, these secondary guys love that. That means there's going to be more errant throws. That means they can be a little bit more physical. It's it's going to be a great thing. So Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, those two guys are going to set the tone for this defense on either side of the ball.
0: And quite honestly, Mason, they need to be that good because of how much the team has invested in them. Oh yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of money. Two of the top three cornerbacks in the league are Miami Dolphins. So yeah. They need to be pretty damn good this year. A lot is riding on this for the Miami Dolphins. So let's start breaking these guys down. And we mentioned Howard and Jones. Their styles of play are so similar. So what does Brian Flores want to do, first of all? I think we have kind of see it with bringing in Jones, uh, the drafting of Igben Nagane, what he looks for in his cornerbacks. They're all very similar in their style. Right in your face, press man coverage, physical. You can put them on an island to free up your safeties where you don't have to worry about providing assistance, providing help over the top. You really feel comfortable. All right, you take the left side, you take the right side, you're in the nickel, whatever. One-on-one, I'm going to beat you off of the route. I'm going to get you off your route and basically take you out of the play. So on the inside, they're building in the trenches with physicality, but they're also doing it, Mason, on the outside.
1: They are. And one thing I'm really impressed with Byron Jones last season, as physical as he plays only three penalties in coverage, Riley, that's fantastic. The fact that he can play that physical and he can not get flagged for it, that is a huge plus. The last thing you want from your DBs are bogus pass interference calls, or you're just being way too physical with a receiver and you're getting flagged for it. So that's something that Byron Jones does do very well. And Xavier Howard overall does it very well too. You mentioned Xavier Howard's one of his biggest strengths is the way he presses the line 100 percent correct good as anyone in the league when when he sets that tone from as soon as the ball is snapped he's already winning some of those matchups so byron jones and him they're going to unleash havoc on wide receivers especially those top wide receivers that the dolphins are going to have to go against during this season
0: yeah and they're probably the group mason that i'm most excited to see play because it really makes me reminisce on the times of Sam Madison oh, yeah. and Patrick Sertan working together Ooh. on that defense. That Dolphins defense was so good in the early 2000s. Oh, man. It's such a shame so good. that they couldn't win more with such a good defense.
1: That'll be for another episode because we, we could talk about those early 2000 teams. Oh, Sam Madison, Patrick Sertan. Brock Marion, I mean so many good defensive backs that played for them during that span. Terrell Buckley, he's another yeah. one, just thought of T-Buck. They had a lot of talent there, but we'll save that for another episode. But I agree, when you look at this roster here, there's a lot of talent and it's very very interesting. Uh the rookie out of Auburn when they drafted Noah Igbinagene, You know, we kind of like we're like, wait, what? They're they're drafting a defensive back, they're paying Byron Jones how much? They're paying Xavier Howard how much? They just use a first-round pick on a cornerback. But the more I watch film on this guy, I'm really excited, Riley. The agility, the speed, he does a lot of really good things. And the biggest question for me though is going to be: how is he going to do with the speed of the NFL? Because in college, even in the SEC, He had time to make up ground with his agility and his speed. Is he going to be able to do the same thing in the NFL?
0: Yeah, so it's interesting that you mentioned when they drafted him because, yeah, for me, it was a head-scratcher at first. I was like, really? They just invested all of this money into their cornerback position. They need help at safety, especially the depth of safety. And obviously there's so many other positions that they, they could have gone with there, but they decided to go with a cornerback? Really? So I looked more and more into Igbenogany. And the more and more I saw in terms of the film, the more and more I, it kind of made sense. Like, this is a Brian Flores guy. We talk about versatility. We talk about physicality. He fits that. And then you got to take into account, what are they going to do with Xavier Howard? So, yes, he's not going to be suspended for the domestic violence incidents. That's obviously very good for the Dolphins. But he also is very injury prone. I mean, this is a real problem, Mason. And we've talked about it in our players with the most to prove. Uh, he was on that list. And a big time reason is as talented as he is, top five, top 10 cornerback in the entire league, you got to be on the field. He's only played one full 16 game season in his entire NFL career. Even that year where he had seven interceptions, was a pro bowler, second team, uh, all pro NFL. He still missed the final four games, which is absolutely ridiculous that he had so many interceptions and still missed the last four games. So it just shows you how good he was that year, but it's a problem. The durability issue is a real thing um, because they're all stemming from the same, same type of injury. Most of them are knee injuries, which is what I'm most concerned about.
1: Oh, uh, you got to be very concerned. And that was one of the main reasons we listed him on players with something to prove because you're right, Riley, he's missed nearly half of his games in his NFL career thus far, which it really boggles your mind because he's done so much when he's on the field, but he's just missed so much time. You mentioned that he missed the final four games of the 2018 season. Well, last year he only played in five games. So he's coming off two seasons where he missed quite a bit of time. He's got a lot to prove, but man, the talent is there and the Dolphins are paying him a lot of money. Five years, $75 million contract. If things go south in 2020, the Dolphins will have to make a really tough decision on what they're going to do with him. But we really need to keep our fingers crossed because bringing in Byron Jones with that talent. Yes. It gives you some cushion because if we do lose Xavier Howard for a few weeks with an injury or God forbid, we lose him for most of the season, we are going to have a supposedly star corner who can come in and who can do very similar things to Xavier Howard. But if Howard can stay on the field and Byron Jones can do what he did in Dallas, It is going to be a really, really fun
0: tandem to watch, and it's going to help out everybody else on the field. It's almost like they're bringing in insurance policies, right, with Byron Jones signing, drafting, Igben Nagani. They're saying, hey, just in case, and back then just in case, he gets suspended or he gets injured again, we have this insurance policy in place where we're not going to lose a step. We have the talent um, and the depth behind him. But obviously we're hoping for a healthy Xavier Howard because if he's playing on one side of the field and then you add Byron Jones, oh, wow. Now you're talking about a formidable, formidable cornerback situation. And when we talk about the, the quarterbacks that they're going up against this year, they're going up against a lot of good teams, Mason, but not a lot of the elite quarterbacks that are in the NFL. So that right there is something that they could take advantage of. But I want to talk about Byron Jones for a second. So they bring Byron Jones in, and it's so interesting because, you know, he was drafted, and then the Dallas Cowboys actually tried him at safety. You know, what we're doing with Eric Rowe, and Bobby McCain. But then they switch him back to cornerback and he becomes a Pro Bowler. So, he's one of the best cornerbacks in the entire league, top 5. So, you bring him in, but he also has that safety experience. So, there it goes back right to that versatility that Brian Flores looks for. I wonder how Brian Flores is going to use him because we'll talk about the safeties in a little bit, but you know there's a big question mark at the free safety position. So, are they going to mix Byron Jones up between safety and cornerback or are they just going to put him on an island? There's so many options, Mason, on this defense. There's so many different ways that he could sort this puzzle out and uh, piece it together the way he wants and utilize guys' skill sets. Yeah, Bobby McCain's play is going to be huge. He may
1: be the key piece to this because when we talk about safeties here in a few minutes, we're going to talk about Bobby McCain more. We mentioned him already in a previous episode on, once again, players with something to prove. It's kind of a theme with some of these secondary players. But if Bobby McCain's injury history comes up, or he is just not grasping this safety position with primarily covering tight ends or running backs, they're going to have to switch something up. Is it going to bring in the other Jones, Brandon Jones, or like you mentioned, are you going to lean on someone who has safety experience, who is very talented as Byron Jones is? I mean, this is a guy who only had 53 targets all year last year. You mentioned there aren't that many elite quarterbacks the dolphins are facing. Well, these quarterbacks are going to have to make a decision. Do I throw it to Byron Jones, who can shut down receivers very easily, or do I go to the other side to Z- Zavian Howard? So the fact that he only got 53 targets last year really shows the respect. Only gave up about 330 yards all
0: season. But that's that the key, very, that's very, very, the key Mason. That's impressive. the key, man, because, yes, he only has two career interceptions. I get it. When you pay someone that much money, you expect more production in terms of turnovers. But like you said— No one throws against this man because it's impossible to complete a pass against him. Because, look, you mentioned some of those numbers. He only gave up 50 pass yards in a game one time last year. That was versus Washington, Mason, 78 yards. After that, he didn't do it again. And he only gave up 30 yards or fewer in 10 of his 16 games in his last seven games in a row. He was a pure shutdown cornerback, especially in the later half of the season. And if you want to, if Dolphin fans are wondering, oh,
1: how did he do against us? I believe it was one pass for six yards. So he he fared pretty well in that Dolphins game when we played at Cowboy Stadium early in the season. Pro Football Focus has him ranked as the 11th best cornerback in coverage efficiency. That's very solid, and his tackling is fantastic. PFF graded him only one below average tackling performance all season. So his best grades really go to tackling, but he's a fantastic coverage cornerback as well there's a lot of things to like about him numbers aren't everything I know we throw around the PFF stats and everything like that but when it comes down to it you can't just look at one number and say oh he had a good year because he had seven interceptions well that one number doesn't tell the whole tale it doesn't tell how many passes were thrown to him it doesn't tell how many snaps he was out on the field if he's had two interceptions one interception so be it but if you look at everything else it's pieces to a puzzle and when you put that puzzle together, you have a very talented defensive back that we need to be excited
0: for. It's funny how you mention what did he do against the Miami Dolphins, because Travis Wingfield, the host of Drive Time uh, podcast with the Miami Dolphins, he actually did a post on Twitter that I thought was interesting. Uh, he matched up Byron Jones versus some opponents in the last two years, some like big time wide receivers and how he did against him. And I just want to read off a couple of them real quick, because A lot of these guys are elite wide receivers, and he completely shut them down. So you're talking about guys like Michael Thomas. He went up against him twice in two meetings, in two matchups with Michael Thomas. You know, Miami Dolphins friend Michael Thomas. Sure, sure. (laughs) Don't don't Miami Dolphins fans just love them some Michael Thomas. (laughs) That's why I started off with him. But in two matchups, two receptions, 21 yards. Stephon Diggs, who we're going to be seeing a lot of now in Buffalo, one reception, 11 yards. Odell Beckham, zero for zero. Julio Jones, one for 19. I mean, the list goes on and on. He just shuts down the best wide receivers in the game. Yes, he may not give you those seven, eight interception seasons. No one throws to him. Nobody throws (laughs) to the guy because they can't complete a pass on him. I love it. I love it. So you match up him and Xavier Howard. Those are obviously your starting cornerbacks. Let's go ahead and talk about some guys that played last year. On the team, and then we'll get to the rookies. But Nick Needham is an interesting guy because, right, he was an undrafted rookie at a UTEP, was cut, re signed to the practice squad, and then he played a significant role on this team from October on. And quite frankly, I felt bad for the guy because he wasn't ready. For, I mean, he's an undrafted rookie, but he played pretty admirably for the role that he was pushed into. He did,
1: and he had a really rough preseason. I, I think when fans saw him out there in the preseason, they're like, oh, wow, he's not going to make the team. But it was a very nice surprise to see how he ended the season. Uh, you know, pro football focus, they had him as one of the highest graded rookies somewhere towards the end of the season. So that was great to see his growth and development and how he was becoming impressive to watch. 157 snaps at slot corner, 531 at wide. You know, he's going to be a really interesting guy to watch. He almost made my list for breakout guys this season, but I just think there's a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah, will the opportunities be there? Right? Will the opportunities be there? But one thing he's going to have to clean up is giving up touchdowns. That's something he did a lot of. He had three games giving up multiple touchdowns. After week nine, only three games where he didn't give up a touchdown. So that's something he's going to have to work on. But undrafted rookie like you mentioned you know the only way you the only place you can go is up for him I was happy the way he ended the season and he played a lot of snaps to the Dolphins a little over 740 snaps so I'm happy he bounced back from early on he's someone I really want to keep an eye out for
0: as the season continues yeah he's a guy that you know if he's your number one cornerback then you're kind of sweating a little bit but if he's your fourth or fifth cornerback that's a pretty good situation to be in especially how he played at the end of last year so he came out of the gates hot when he first came in on the active roster, three times he had an overall rating of 83 or higher. That's like top 20 cornerback in the league type of stuff. But his final six games were up and down. He only had a rating of over 60 one time. Now you can attribute this probably to, you know, increased targets towards him. Um, Sure. But he was also very versatile. You know, he played a lot of snaps out wide because he was forced into action with Howard going down, played 531 out there, but he also played over 150 in the slot and he played some in the box he played almost 50 uh snaps there as well so I think you'll see him appear a lot in nickel you know sub packages nickel dime type of things but with Nick Benagini coming in he'll probably be your starting nickel cornerback so Nick Needham it's good to have him on the roster especially you know from the flashes that we saw last year and have him provide that depth that the Dolphins so desperately needed last year when he was forced into action as an undrafted rookie there's so many
1: guys last year. You need to look at last season for so many players as a dress rehearsal. The way last season went with the injuries, the way last season went with the beginning of the year. A lot of these guys who had playing time, they weren't ready to be starters. They weren't ready to see this amount of snaps. So the fact that he did continue to impress coaches, he got a lot of playing time. That's going to really be helpful for this season. So Needham is a guy, like I said, we're both going to keep our eye on him. We're going to see how we can do this season. And, I totally agree with you his role for this team is going to be third fourth maybe even the fifth defensive back on this team and that's a role where he needs to stick out i don't want to see him starting
0: for Xavier howard or starting for byron jones i like where he's at right now yeah so he had two interceptions last year and he led the team with 11 pass deflections so he was a ball hawk he was around the ball quite a bit but he took too many chances he wasn't consistent What you can expect from a rookie. Sure. Yeah. He he needs to assure that up to not give up, give up so many big plays and he needs to improve his tackling. He had seven missed tackles last year and five of those came in the final three games. So if you're a cornerback missing tackles, that means you're the last line of defense usually. And, uh, that's not a good situation if you're missing tackles. So he needs to sure that up, but there were a lot of positives with Nick Needham. So if he's your fourth, like I said, if he's your fourth or fifth cornerback, I think you're in a pretty good situation. So I want to talk about a couple guys here real quick. One guy is Cordrea Tankersley. This is a guy that a lot of Dolphins fans were excited to see in terms of the raw talent that he brought. He was drafted in the third round a couple years ago out of Clemson. He had a pretty solid rookie season, over 30 tackles, seven pass deflections. Uh, But basically this dude has just been like a big, you know, the operation guy. Like he was just constantly injured since coming into the league. He missed, I think, five games his rookie year, from ankle injuries, shoulder injuries, then he missed the entire 2019 season. He only played in 20 he only played in 6 games in 2018. I mean, the guy just hasn't been on the field. So, he's got to make sure that he proves himself in training camp or he's going to be fighting for a roster spot.
1: Riley, I think it was the wrench that I always had trouble with in the game operation. You you got me thinking now about that game. I haven't played it in a long time, but I I agree with the situation with Tankersley. Like many, many, many talented NFL players that come into the league, they come in with a lot of hope, they come in with a bright future, and the injury bug just hits them, and that is what has happened to him. It's going to be an uphill battle this year. I'm really rooting for him just because I want to see what he can do when he can stay healthy, but he most likely will be the odd man out in this secondary if he cannot show the Dolphins who they drafted several years ago.
0: Yeah, then you got guys like Jamal Perry, Ryan Lewis, Ken Webster, guys that are going to provide some depth, maybe on the scouting team. Uh, They'll be fighting for roster spots. It'll really come down to if they can contribute on special teams, whether they make this team. So let's wrap up this cornerback discussion, talking about our first round draft pick, cornerback out of Auburn, Noah Ngbenagini. We mentioned him a little bit earlier, Mason. I was a little shocked, a little taken back when the team drafted him in the first round. But the more and more I look into this guy, the more and more excited I get with the potential, while the talent, the technique is raw, he fits Brian Flores' system to a T. He does, Riley, and
1: it took me a while to kind of get on board. The more tape I watched, the more game film I watched, the more excited I got. I mean, he is going to be a project, and he's someone who has to win the line of scrimmage. He struggles to maintain his body position, but man, he's got raw talent, like you mentioned, His pro day stats are fantastic, ran a 4.43 40-yard dash. His vertical was 40.5-inch vertical, and he had a 127-inch broad jump. He's got a ton of talent. We've talked about his parents um, when we did our draft recap, how they're athletes, Olympic athletes. And guess what, Riley? He doesn't turn 21 until (laughs) November, so he is a young kid. But his change of direction with tremendous quickness is something that is just eye-popping. He can really make up for lost coverage with his speed. He breaks up a ton of passes too. And at Auburn, he was a primary kick returner in 2017 and 2018 due to that athleticism that we've talked about. He's got a lot to get me excited about. He's going to fill in that nickel spot. Definitely a lot to be excited about.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that he's only going to turn 21. And also, we talked about how technique Wise, he's pretty raw. That's because he was a wide receiver coming into school. There you go. Then he transitioned to cornerback and he still was a first round draft pick. That should tell you all you need to know in terms of the ceiling for this guy, the upside for Igbenagani. He has the potential, Mason, to be a top flight cornerback in terms of his raw talent in the NFL. So it's going to take a lot of coaching up, a lot of working with him to get him to the NFL level, but he doesn't have the pressure of having to come in and guard the opponent's number one or even number two receiver. He's going to fit nicely in that nickel cornerback spot to go along with Jones and Howard and really make a formidable trio for the Miami Dolphins cornerbacks. All right, so let's go ahead and we'll move on to the safeties. There's a lot to get into with this group, but first, a quick read from our sponsor at BetOnline. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. Mason, why don't you tell the people more? That's right, Riley. Sports, they're slowly making their
1: way back into our lives. Oh, it's 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 great to see sports back on, especially live ones. And Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all of your live UFC, NASCAR boxing, and soccer matches. But don't worry, Riley. If you need more, they still have those simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. And if you're looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline has you covered because they have hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE.
0: BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So let's go ahead and move to Safety. And I mentioned earlier how Byron Jones came in and was switched with the Cowboys to the safety position for a couple of years. Well, it's very interesting because Eric Rowe has kind of a similar path in his career. He was a cornerback coming into the league. He played cornerback with the Eagles and the Patriots, comes to the Dolphins, he's struggling. And then Brian Flores is like, you know what, this guy has the skill set to be a really good starting safety in this league and you know what we need a safety because we got nobody so we what the heck let's try him back there and he was efficient like it took him a little while to get his feet under him but he ended up being a very solid safety and he kind of reminds me of like a Byron Jones light like he's very versatile obviously he's an athletic freak and he's a really really effective tackler Um, That's probably his biggest skill set in terms of manning the backfield for the defense. He was graded over 70 in tackling 11 out of the 16 games. And kudos to Brian Flores. I think that's a great sign when your head coach is able to, you know, able to find guys where he can utilize their skill set. If they're struggling in one position, how can I get the best out of them? And Eric Rowe is a perfect example of that switching someone in their positions, even if it's midway through the season and getting the most production you can out of that player.
1: In four games as corner Riley Rowe allowed 14 receptions on 20 targets for 193 yards and two touchdowns. That's not great. Well, in his new role, when he switched to the safety position, he did not allow any touchdowns and only 227 yards. That's just a little bit more than what he did in four games as a corner there was a huge reduction in completion rate and a drop of yards per attempt. He did a fantastic job when he switched. Nine out of ten of his best coverage grades from PFF came after week six. Tremendous job tackling, tremendous job covering the tight end. Then that is something that our other safety, Bobby McCain, we'll talk about him in a minute, struggles to do. So Eric Rowe definitely found a very big niche on this team that he can fill. And it was really more or less like a career resurrection making that switch. And like you mentioned at the top of our safety talk, we don't have a lot of proven depth and we don't have, you know, a lot to give besides Eric Rowe at the safety position. So we really need him to flourish and to continue to strive. He played almost 96% of snaps for the Dolphins last year. So if you were watching Dolphins games, he was out there all the time.
0: Yeah. in matching up against those tight ends that a lot of smaller safeties had trouble doing like Bobby McCain um, in coverage, he's able to stick with those tight ends coming off the line. So that's another place where Eric Rowe really excelled in. Like you mentioned, it's so vital that he takes the next step because we need him. If you look at the position groups, safety, while I like our starters, there's not a lot of depth at all behind him. So Eric Rowe, is vital to the success of this backfield for the secondary. You can have the best cornerbacks in the world, but if the if the middle of the field is wide open for the taking, then you're going to have some issues. So they need Eric Rowe to step up big time. And on that note, let's
1: move to Bobby McCain. Now listen, I like Bobby McCain. I don't want to come off sounding negative, but man, I am not a believer in him at the free safety position. Now I know we're stuck with Bobby McCain. I hate to use the word stuck, But I liked Bobby McCain a lot better in the nickel position. And right now, if the writing is on the wall, the Dolphins, their front office, they made a conscious decision to address their nickel and their free safety position in the draft. And we'll get to that free safety position they addressed in the draft in a minute. Bobby McCain, he's a physical DB. He can fill multiple roles. But let's be honest, he's undersized and he's coming off a big injury. Those are warning signs right now that can he handle that physicality that comes with playing safety? I, I don't think so.
0: It goes back to that insurance policy, right? Uh, since coming to the league, Bobby McCain has had his fair share of injury problems, much like Xavier Howard. So I think we fully expected for the team to bring in a safety Early in the draft, I mean, they took Brandon Jones pretty early in the third round, but I'm talking like first couple of rounds and they decided Yeah, I, I know to that was that.
1: one, and I know Riley, that was one big thing you wanted them to do in that first round. After they addressed Tua and
0: an offensive tackle, yeah. you said, I'm all in on that safety, and I agree, I see why. Yeah, because I thought that the natural thing to do was bring in a safety that you can plug and play right away and move Bobby McCain back to his more natural position at the nickel cornerback. So he says he's fully healthy. He says he's ready to go wherever Brian Flores needs him. You got to love that attitude. I do. Yes. I just question whether he's big enough to play the free safety position and be durable enough to make it through an entire season. That's what the biggest concern with me is. So we really need to hope that Brandon Jones steps up the rookie out of Texas um, going into the season, because behind Bobby McCain, we brought in some other guys that we'll talk about a little bit, but they're more special teams kind of depth chart guys. They're not guys that you can really plug in there and feel good about your safety position. So they need McCain to stay healthy throughout the entire season, which is something that he has struggled with in the past. I just think based
1: on his build and his style of play, he belongs at nickel quarter. I I know with this team and the depth, he has to play that safety position. And I understand that, but I just feel like it's a big gamble. It's a roll the dice to have him out there That that's why you know they probably should have invested maybe a little bit more in this position. He got his big contract extension. McCain did when he was playing the nickel corner spot. This is a big year for him. He's owed a little bit of money too. So the Dolphins are going to have to make a decision what to do with him after this season. I am really rooting for him for many reasons because we really need him to excel and to stay healthy in this free safety spot. So I hope he can do it. Fingers crossed. He's a solid player. He's a tough player. He's a physical player. But with him being undersized, he really struggles with different aspects of that safety game. Luckily for us, Eric Rowe does excel or at least he showed us last season, he can handle a lot of that tight end coverage because Bobby McCain does struggle with that.
0: Yeah, so looking ahead, he's owed $6.4 million in 2021 and $7 million yeah. in 2022, none of which is guaranteed. Yeah. So this is a big year for Bobby McCain and Xavier Howard. Uh, they both need to make sure they're staying on the field and playing at a high level. So if you look at some of the other guys that are on the roster, um, one guy I want to highlight, Mason, is Clayton Fedgelum. Now, we signed him in the offseason. I don't think he's going to be playing a ton from the actual safety position, but what he brings to the special teams is what's really going to make his mark for the Miami Dolphins. With the Bengals, he was the special teams captain, and last year the Bengals were rated as the six best special teams In the NFL by PFF. So he brings that leadership. He brings that skill set that he can contribute in other ways. And I've talked about this in previous episodes. When you're looking at a guy a little further down the depth chart, what else do they bring you? What skill sets do they bring to other areas of the football team? That's where guys really make their mark. When you're talking about making the final roster, making those final cuts. So I think bringing him on to help with the special teams and to provide a little depth at the safety position, I think it's a huge get for the dolphins. It's a great point Riley, because
1: a lot of these backup guys, you know, a lot of people may not realize this, but they're playing special teams a lot. And that is a huge part of the game. And you just mentioned Clayton and how well he does in that role. I mean, you look at his numbers from last year's special team goes, his highest rated games were towards the end of the season. A lot of guys had solid ends to the year last year. Clayton was one of them. Week 17, 13, and 14 was the best he did out there in special teams for the Dolphins. So he finished the year strong. That's a positive to build into next year. And another guy too, I'm looking at as far as safety position goes, a guy who is going to add depth to that is Adrian Colbert. He was out there a lot for Miami's defensive unit in December. He brought a lot of energy, didn't quite do a lot on the stat sheet. And if you look at his game, he really struggles in different areas at times. I'm talking about finding proper angles against ball carriers, getting beat on some routes. He's someone who does need to step up more and needs to show the Dolphins more. But once again, he's going to be there for added depth, and he has played with this team before. So bringing him back from last year,
0: he's going to have some rapport with his fellow teammates. The Dolphins also brought in another Cowboy. They brought in Byron Jones, obviously, but Kayvon Frazier. He was a six-round pick by Dallas a few years ago in 2016. In 2017, Mason, he tied for the team lead in special teams tackles with 10. Um, He has a career 67 tackles, a sack, and a forced fumble. He missed all of last season with a pec injury, and the Cowboys decided not to re-sign him. So he's another one of those guys that you bring in to add some depth but also contribute on special teams. So it'll be interesting to see how he rebounds from missing an entire year last year and being with a new team in the Miami Dolphins. So let's go ahead and move on to our third-round draft pick, In Brandon Jones, the safety out of Texas. So for me, Mason, we've already talked about this a little bit. I was expecting the Dolphins. I mean, third round's pretty, pretty high, but I was expecting the Dolphins to go first or second round to look at one of the top rated safeties and Xavier McKinney, Grant Delpit, uh, Winfield Jr. Some of those guys, they ended up waiting a little bit to address the safety position. Uh, Brandon Jones, he brings a lot to the table, but I'm a little worried he's going to be like a Nick Needham type of situation. If Bobby McCain goes down, he may be thrusted into action before he's ready. Um, He has trouble in coverage, and he's undersized for the position a little bit like McCain. So while there's a lot that he brings to the table that I like, there are some concerns as well.
1: Yeah, one thing I I am concerned about is his size. He does need to bulk up because we don't if he's got to replace Bobby McCain with an injury, we don't want someone undersized to replace him. But there are some things I do like about him. Now he is far better as a zone player than man to man. I can see him playing more special teams early in his career, kind of get his footing for the NFL, but he's gonna be a project to start off with, but he loves to attack the ball. He's not a great run stopper, but he loves to attack the ball. He's got a nose for it. I think the Dolphins look at him as a guy who is eventually going to replace Bobby McCain, but he's someone who's going to need to get his feet wet. He is a little bit of a project, like I mentioned, but I am excited to see what he can do this offseason and in the preseason because, let's be honest, this could be our future starter at the safety position and possibly as soon as next season or he may need to play some time
0: this year too. It also helps that he's actually a safety, doesn't it? (laughs) Just having having an actual safety on the roster helps out a ton. And we mentioned he's very similar in size to Bobby McCain, but they have completely different playing styles. Like McCain, obviously coming in from the nickel corner position, um, he thrives in coverage. He doesn't really thrive up the line of scrimmage. And that's what Brandon Jones, even though he's a bit undersized, that's really where he excels at, is up near the line of scrimmage, playing downhill and helping in the run game and trying to put pressure on the quarterback. He does have the ball hawking skills as well, but he doesn't have that top line speed when he is in coverage. So when you're talking about receivers on the outside, that is concerning that he can stick with them if he's providing help over the top. But there's a lot of positives when you're talking about Brandon Jones. Um, He was a four-year starter at Texas. I believe he was a team captain as well. So he brings a lot to the table.
1: Now, Riley, before we wrap up with our secondary depth chart dive, I would be remiss if I did not mention this player. Now this is not, it's not an in memoriam because he's not passed away. Thank goodness. But he's someone who really led this Dolphins secondary for almost a decade in the safety position. He's not with the team this year. He's actually not even signed with a team right now. He's still a free agent, but I'm talking about Rashad Jones, someone who really gave us a lot. Fifth round pick out of Georgia, just so good in that run support and protecting the top of the secondary. He was a pro bowler and Riley, I got a trivia question for you. You know, I like to, to sneak these in on you. Oh, damn it. All right. I know. Right. I like to sneak <laughs> these in on you, but he had 776 tackles from 2010 to 2019. He led, led the dolphins for that decade in tackles easily. I mean, so easily he doubled that amount of tackles. Can you guess who was number two? This is a tough question. Can you in guess the who's pa- number in two? the past
0: how many years?
1: Ten years. So 2010 to 2019, essentially, when Rashad Jones was on this team, who was number two during that time in tackles? Because Rashad Jones was heading above shoulders, the best tackler during that span. Who was number two? Cameron Wake. Not a bad guess. He's in the top five. But number two is Koa Misi. So that tells you anything right there? <laughs> oh, freaking Dolphin, Misi. Yes, Koa Misi. So if that tells you anything right there, this Dolphins defense has had a lot of moving parts Rashad Jones was one of the stable parts and he was a very, very solid safety. I really wish my only regret with him in in a Dolphins uniform that, and it's easy for me to say this because I'm not him, is that he would have maybe taken a pay cut. He would have maybe taken a smaller role and he would have still been on this team because man, even though he might be a step slower, having Rashad Jones on this team right now would be such, such a benefit. But I understand that's the business, that's football. But Riley, I had to mention him just because of how important he was for this defense for so many years.
0: Yeah. I just can't get over the Coamese thing. He is the Ryan Tannehill of the Dolphins (laughs) defense during that time. That guy that they just would not give up on, like, give it a rest. He's not the answer. He's not the guy. Just cut the losses and move on. That's why he was up there and tackled. Yeah. That's why he was second. They wouldn't move on from the guy. He drove me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> every every year I'd be like, Yeah, this is Koamisi's year. He's gonna step up. Oh, no, he's injured again. What do you know? There was a lot there's been a lot of guys like that for the Dolphins in the so, past decade or so. So that's gonna wrap it up for our secondary breakdown. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Follow the show on social media at FinitToWinit on Facebook and Twitter. And if you haven't already, make sure you get involved in our Tua jersey giveaway. All you have to do to enter is go to our page. Find the post talking about the giveaway and then retweet or share that post and then follow us at to win it, and you'll be entered to win a free Tua jersey. So make sure you do that. We're pumped. We're excited to kick off our first ever Finns Up Friday tomorrow. You can catch that on any major podcast platform, so be on the lookout for that. A lot of exciting content coming on the way for you guys. As always, thank you so much for the support of the show. Until next time, for Mason, I'm Riley. Fin's Up, everybody.